Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Doody. Sorry. Oh, chair squeaking already. Fucking Kmart chair doing its thing. Uh, sorry I'm late. Today is Wednesday. Finals week one ended on Sunday. Uh, we're going to talk about it today. Weekend wrap for the NRL final series. Week one uh, from eight teams, well really from 17 teams to eight teams. Now to six teams. In many people's view, two teams. Uh, The two sides that booked themselves in for a home preliminary final, the Brisbane Broncos and the Penrith Panthers. And just quickly on the Panthers, uh, they've just signed two pretty decent young players uh, that aren't going to walk into their first team next year, uh, but two very handy pickups for the Panthers in what potentially next year could be a season where they're going for four straight. Bit of footy to be played uh, before that point, uh, but they've signed Paul Alamotti and Brad Schneider. Now, we've seen the centre, Paul Alamotti, uh, at the Bulldogs this year, played a bit of NRL. Uh, very, very bright prospect. Played for the New South Wales Blues under 19s last year. Really quality centre. And funnily enough, Penrith are losing Stephen Crichton to the Bulldogs. Uh, so they're bringing over Paul Alamotti. This is one of those signings where if he's required at NRL level, you just know uh, we're going to be seeing Paul Alamotti play to his potential. And even if he doesn't, if he's playing reserve grade or worst case scenario, he comes out and just has a shocker bludger of a year, Tyrone Peachy, uh, he'll be lining up to try and nab a center spot. Uh, You've got like Jesse McLean, Tom Jenkins, who want a spot somewhere in that back line, Sunia Taruva, Taylin May. Taylin May, uh, the talk is he is going to be transitioning into the centres next year. Uh, so there's no shortage of guys who will be putting their hand up to replace Stephen Crichton. Uh, but Paul Alamotti, a couple of clubs were looking at him, signs with Penrith. Tell you what, if you're a player right now and Penrith come knocking... Nine times out of ten, unless you're, you know, you're looking to get uh, a fair bit of coin or the reason you're leaving is for opportunity to try and cement yourself as a regular first grader. But if you're a a Paul Alamotti and Penrith come knocking, how could you say no? Honestly. Uh, So that's a massive signing. And what I really like about that is Alamotti right now, toward the end of the season, he wasn't in the Bulldogs NRL team. So it's like, would you rather be playing New South Wales Cup for the Bulldogs with potential to get called up uh, to their first grade team? Or would you rather be playing New South Wales Cup for the Panthers and aiming to, you know, push in to a side that, look, it's unless something goes horribly wrong, Mr. Paul Alamotti joins an outfit that will be in their premiership window, or windows, uh, probably more fair to say. 
So that's a banger signing. And Brad Schneider. This was a player I thought potentially, with Jack White and leaving the Raiders, a potentially Brad Schneider, that was going to be his position. Now Matt Frawley leaving the Raiders as well. Uh, maybe young Ethan Strange will be the one that gets the shot. Uh, but ultimately Brad Schneider, uh, left midway through this season, has been playing with Hull Kingston Rovers over in the Super League. And I thought maybe this was just a move to get him uh, as close to as much first grade experience. If you can't play him in, in the NRL, why not Super League uh, over cup level? But I thought Raiders were looking to bring him back. And he signed with the Panthers. <laughs> I don't think Brad Schneider will be too, too upset about that. Uh, now where Brad Schneider comes in is a role we've already seen over the last couple of years. Uh, whereas Paul Alamotti, I think this one was more Penrith looking at who they're losing. Like, okay, Stephen Crichton leaving. Maybe we look at a centre uh, that could complement our squad nicely, which is exactly uh, what Alamotti is. Uh, whereas when I see Brad Schneider, he's more that Sean O'Sullivan, Jack Cogger. Uh, the one who's there, for if Cleary or Luai go down, he comes into the side. Uh, now, Dane Laurie, also returning to the club next year. I'd say he'll be cover for fullback uh, and the halves as well. So that'll be interesting. Schneider, Dane Laurie, uh, really looking to grab that opportunity. And look at Jack Cogger right now uh, in the final series for Penrith. So the opportunities are there, not just to come into this Panthers lineup, uh, but to potentially win a premiership, be there on grand final day. Uh, so they're making a few moves, Penrith, to keep themselves at the top. And yeah, Dane Laurie going to be cover. Brad Schneider going to be very handy cover. And that role has worked out pretty nicely, you must say. Sean O'Sullivan, uh, he really excelled in that role as backup half. Gets a big contract at the Dolphins. I don't know, big contract money-wise, uh, but opportunity-wise. He's the one with the keys to the team at a new franchise. And Sean O'Sullivan has been able to cement himself now as a regular first grader. Jack Cogger. You want to talk about cementing yourself as a regular first grader? Jack Cogger uh, was as promising a young junior halfback as they came. He was around the same age as Nathan Cleary. Coming through the juniors, the general uh, consensus was that Jack Cogger uh, was the one to watch out of all the halfbacks in that age group. Came through at the Newcastle Knights uh, at a time where the Knights were just not in a good place at all. It was around when they were collecting wooden spoons. Jack Cogger was alongside young half Brock Lamb. Uh, and it was Lamb and Cogger coming through uh, more so than Cluai. Cluai? Cluai? You know who I mean. Cluai. Nathan Cluai. Jerome Luai, Nathan Cleary. We'll fucking roll with Cluai. I can start using that now, actually. That might save a bit of time instead of saying both their names. But it was Cogger and Brock Lamb. Brock Lamb ended up retiring very early. Jack Cogger didn't work out at the Knights. Crossed over to the Bulldogs. Again, like I mentioned before, cementing yourself as a regular first grader. Couldn't quite do that at the Dogs. Uh, who were in just as bad a place 
as Newcastle had been, so he hadn't really been part of a quality system. Jack Cogger uh, went over to the Super League, played for Huddersfield Giants, and with Penrith losing Sean O'Sullivan this year, uh, they looked to Jack Cogger. Now he comes, he plays the role. Newcastle Knights, they're bringing him back to the club next year. Uh, so it's a massive opportunity for young Alamotti and for young Brad Schneider. Uh, but the point I was making, Penrith, still on top, still the team to beat. Broncos uh, with a home final at Suncorp locked in as well. And as far as what's in store for today, uh, I'm not going to spend too long on anything, given that it's already Wednesday. And yeah, once I'm done this, I'm going to start recording the preview podcast for week two. So we're already closer to week two than we are to week one. So hence today, a little bit shorter. I'll start with performance highlights from finals week one. As always, they are also up on our Instagram at Not Just a Sports Report. Also up right now on our Instagram are the polls for the end of year podcast. Kind of like the Dally M's, kind of like a little awards thing, except I don't call them awards. The players have no idea of its existence. They've never fucking heard of it. So I don't know if we can call this a prestigious honor. I don't even know if we can call this an honor. Uh, but around the same time as the Dally M's, I'm going to come out. Uh, there's a lot of different categories. We've got most improved, player of the season, rising star, uh, all things I've talked about throughout the year on previous weekend rap podcasts. But all those polls are live right now. Uh, so the beauty of the end of year podcast, it's a little bit of my opinion, but as far as deciding the winners of each category, it's up to you. It's up to the followers of the page and the listeners of the podcast. Uh, and I always find it quite fun seeing what everyone thinks uh, across the board. Because obviously everyone has their own opinion. Uh, so those polls are live right now. They are only going to be up for about 24 hours. So if you're listening now, at Not Just a Sports Report on Instagram, if you want to vote. And then very shortly, the end of year podcast will be out. We've got most of the results. I think, yeah, by the end of or around fucking tomorrow morning. Uh, the polls will wrap up. So we're getting pretty close to the end there. Uh, but as far as today, performance highlights. Then I'll go through the four games that took place finals week one. And then very briefly to finish, we'll have a look uh, at the six that remain and what is to come in finals week two. Like I said, though, uh, that part will be very short because I'm about to record finals week two preview. So, I mean... I may as well just go hard on that one. And yeah, fucking hell. This intro's gone a little while, so let's get amongst it. All right, time for the performance highlights of finals week one. Not included bite of the week or alleged bite of the week. Jack Whiten. I uh, didn't want him to see that and fucking bash me. So, And he's, he's one of my favourite players, actually, Jack White and Chomp. Anyway, uh, player of the weekend, I went Nathan Cleary. Uh, now, when I actually went to do, like, the graphic for the Instagram post, 
I wrote Nathan Reynolds and I was like, true, it's fucking true. It was just so hard to pick between Nathan Cleary and Adam Reynolds. And then I tried, I tried my darndest on Google to find a free software that would let me merge two photos together, a photo of Nathan Cleary and Adam Reynolds. And I tried, I tried to merge them into one guy, Nathan Reynolds, for my player of the weekend. Um, but yeah, I tried a few things. They said they were free. They said they would merge. No one was merging for free, at least from, from what I was trying. So I went with Nathan Cleary. I wish I could have got the Nathan Reynolds merge. Uh, but shout out to Adam Reynolds. So damn hard not to include him here. Player of the weekend though, Nathan Cleary. I'm a Warriors fan, so it made me kind of sad. Um, but it wasn't shocking. It was just a bit of a bit of a wake up call as a Warriors fan of like, okay, this is where we're at against the Panthers, who are the pinnacle, and Nathan Cleary, he's at the top to beat the man. Or to be the man, you gotta beat the man. I can't speak English. Uh, so Nathan Cleary, he's the man. Player of the weekend. Team of the round. I went Reese Walsh at fullback. He left the Warriors. Dog. Nah, he's killing it at the Broncos. I'll tell you that much. Uh, Dominic Young and Sunia Taruva on the wings. I went Herbie Farnworth, Stephen Crichton in the centres. In the halves, Nathan Cleary slash Nathan Reynolds. And Tyson Gamble. Tyson Gamble. What? A bloody signing, especially when you consider going into this year, that Newcastle 6 jersey was Kalen Ponger's. Uh, so Tyson Gamble has had to work very hard, uh, but what we've learned over the course of the season is he's the best man to wear the number 6. Tyson Gamble, team of the round. In the front row, Terrell May, Brandon Smith and Payne Haas. Liam Martin, Siwa Wong in the back row. And Victor Radley. At lock forward, he played, I mean, such a huge role, especially when you consider the adversity the Roosters faced. Uh, a lot of lock forwards across the weekend doing their thing as usual, uh, but Victor Radley was the standout for me. Talking point, is this a two-horse race for the Premiership, Panthers-Broncos? And then that made me think, two-horse race, a Bronco is a horse, is a Bronco going to win the race. Uh, but that's the talking point. Is it down to two? Uh, there does seem to be a very clear discrepancy and gap between the top two and everybody else. Uh, and now they have a home prelim to boot uh, with a week off to get ready for that prelim. So yeah, that is the way it seems. But of course, rugby league, right? Rugby league, I don't need to say much more. Crazier things have happened I'm just going to quickly Google uh, who is faster, thinking about a race, a premiership race. Who is faster, a panther or a bronco? Let's see if Google... Um, pool. So broncos have the speed advantage, but like a panther, I think the general danger here is that a bronco's running away from a panther because the panther's trying to fucking eat it. So there we go. These are the two horses in the race. We've got a horse and a cat. And my Google search just there suggests there's no clear, uh, clear winner between these two. 
but it looks like that's what we're on track for grand final day. Moment of the round, Newcastle's 10th consecutive win. I mentioned just before as well, the poll's up on our Instagram story. Uh, Right now we've got a vote for moment of the year or moment of the season. And at the moment, by quite a clear margin, moment of the season has been the Knights' win streak. From mid-season where they looked no chance uh, to what they ended up doing in the last nine games of the regular season, 10 if you include this finals game, not just moment of the round, but Newcastle right now leading the race for the Not Just a Sports Report moment of the year. Ultimate Masterclass, Adam Reynolds. I mentioned the Nathan Reynolds clone merge before. Couldn't make it happen. Wanted to include Adam Reynolds. Um, Couldn't say player of the round, so I said Ultimate Masterclass, because that's exactly what it was. All the stats, all their recent history, uh, and not just recent history, but quite a fair sample size. All the numbers said Melbourne Storm. The numbers, ooh, ominous numbers. Adam Reynolds said, fuck the numbers. 26-0. Broncos didn't concede a point. Like, there are so many things about that game. But it was an ultimate masterclass from Adam Reynolds. Not just in this game, but ever since he arrived at Brisbane, it's been an ultimate masterclass. And it could take them all the way to one of their all-time greatest premiership victories. We will have to see. Coming up clutch, we've got another halfback. So this was a guy who, despite winning the game and keeping his team's season alive, he wasn't even involved in a potential merge. I couldn't merge three guys into the player of the round. Uh, So we've thrown in Sam Walker coming up clutch. Roosters in general, uh, that win spoke volumes. Not just for this season, uh, but I think next season and beyond. To face the adversity they did, to hang in there. Like through the game, once Tedesco went off with a sin bin and they were missing uh, some crucial backline players and Joey Manu was injured, I started thinking, okay, and not just for this season, but for next season, uh, because I'm going to do like a whole preview predictions, ladder things and whatnot. So I'm already kind of thinking about that. But I was like, this is a great time to have a look at the Roosters and find out what they're really fucking made of. They were made of the right stuff. They showed up big time. Every, I don't know if excuse is the right word, but so many things were going against them to the point where if they lose, like we're not going to be super critical about that game for the Roosters. We would be of their season, Uh, and finishing in the lower part of the eight. But we would have been like, that's fair. You know, the Tedesco Sinbin was a huge moment, losing Manu, losing Swali'i, losing Billy Smith for a period there, having two back rowers in the centres, and they still got it done. Now, that also tells us a little bit about the Cronulla Sharks. And look, I actually thought Cronulla could go all the way to a grand final coming into this season. But then after, there are a couple of games, like a Broncos game, uh, there was a Dolphins game, the Knights. Oh no, they beat, oh no, they lost the Knights. I can't even fucking remember. No, they beat the Rabbitohs. Anyway, I'm getting lost. But I saw a few games where I just felt like, okay, 
Sharks, fantastic regular season team. Not quite ready for that next leap to challenge for the Premiership. Uh, But they did have last year going out in straight sets, so they had every motivation. They had plenty of chances. They couldn't get it done. Uh, So there's a couple of question marks there for Cronulla. But for the Sydney Roosters, I mean, when it's a big occasion, we saw that in the Rabbitohs game as well. When it's a big occasion with a lot on the line, they're getting the result. And they haven't had the best season uh, as a whole. But toward this last portion coming out of origin and in this run to the finals, they've probably put together their best patch. Still not the best form in the competition, but in their season, it's been the best patch. So coming up clutch, Sam Walker, when you consider his dropping, uh, getting injured, just the roosters, everything that's been going on there, they get into the finals, Sam Walker with the seven on his back, and there were small rumblings, nothing substantial, uh, but we may, I mean, some of us thought maybe we don't ever see Sam Walker in that Rooster 7, and maybe he's off to Queensland or something like that. Here he is, halfback for the Roosters, finals week one, second time in three years in an elimination final that he's kicked a field goal to win the game. That's coming up clutch, isn't it? Sammy Walker. Tough stuff, Sydney Roosters. I already kind of uh, have touched on it a little bit, but everything they went through in that game. The key losses of players, pretty much all from the back line as well. So to have to reshuffle, if it's injuries in the forwards, like your bench is much more catered uh, to trying to work around that. But you lose Joseph Swali'i. So you're without a winger immediately. Uh, James Tedesco, Sinbind, you lose Billy Smith for a period. Joey Manu injured. And they just hang in there. And they get the win. Uh, But they got the win on the back of that period where things just got... It was just like an avalanche of all this shit that could go wrong, going wrong. And they pulled out the win. Very tough stuff from the Roosters. Next up... Uh-oh, Monday Madness. Uh, now, because I've already started doing polls for the end of season, there were some things that are usually in performance highlights, like the Rising Star nomination. Uh, because we're voting for the end of year already, I had a few spots to fill. Uh, now, I didn't go by to the week for Jack Whiten. Like I said, I don't want him to bash me. Uh, I did go Monday Madness. My performance highlight across the weekend for Monday Madness, Valentine Holmes, with a prank, according to him, allegedly. Uh, I read that, so I don't know. I wasn't there. Didn't actually hear what he said. Uh, But if you haven't seen the image, an image of Valentine Holmes with what appears to be a vodka cruiser, uh uh-oh, and a baggie in his mouth, I would say of Coke. Uh, it'd be funny if he came out and he's like, it's just ketamine. Like, come on. But a bag of coke. Uh, I've spoke about this kind of shit before. Like, I don't know. If you think footy players don't do coke, like not all of them. It's, it just mirrors society, you know? And if I had a kid, which I don't, and their idol was Valentine Holmes. And they said, dad, Valentine Holmes, what's this deal with the bag? 
It's like, firstly, it's not Valentine Holmes' job to fucking, you know, raise my kids. So if he does something fucking stupid, good learning opportunity to say, well, this is what he's doing. Uh, he's a footy player. He's on Mad Monday. They've wrapped up the season. He's doing drugs. That would lead to, you know, that's a whole nother rabbit hole uh, of drug education. Some of the dangers of why uh, doing something like this could be bad, but we don't have time on today's podcast. But ultimately, at the end of the day, like my true view, I couldn't give a fuck. And if my kid asked about it, I would say if they're old enough, well, it's not just footy players who do these kind of things. It is all of society, the absolute top of the pops. There will be politicians doing it, absolutely no doubt about it. Your CEOs, your fucking, you know, the people that we look at and think like, oh, that's an admirable person to be in society or that's like a high place, you're a high roller. They do it, the absolute bottom of society. Maybe they don't do cocaine because of the prices here, but it's like drug use. In general, this is a society thing, not a footy thing. Mad Monday, as someone like my stance personally on drugs, I can understand why many people are so against it, uh, because you have drugs like methamphetamine that can... It's just like so many fucking horror stories. So there are so many reasons why not to. Recreationally, at something like a Mad Monday, like... If there's an option, footy players get together, fucking they do a bit of coke, or it's footy players going out to a nightclub, drinking, ending up being fucking idiots, you know, harassing girls or some shit. It's like, well, fuck, we'll take the coke if they're not fucking, you know, affecting anyone else. Anyway, this is a whole tangent, but Monday Madness, Valentine Holmes, comes out and says it was a prank. Who are you pranking? Yourself or the Cowboys? Those are the only people who are really getting any blowback on the prank. Uh, But yeah, I don't care at all. It seems like everyone is doing coke these days. Seems to be like the real buzz. I don't personally like it, just just for value for money, not for any real um, moral reasons. I'm just like, fuck that. You know, it's like, how much these days? Like 300 a bag? Uh, it's like, you know, I could spend that on something else, get more of that something else. Anyway, uh, if this if drugs aren't your thing, you know, I don't try not to go down any rabbit hole. It's like just fucking a few caps of MDMA or something. You could get a lot more of those than a bag of Coke. And I see a lot of people when they finish their bag of Coke, they just want more Coke. And if you fall into that cycle and that trap, because of how much it fucking costs, you piss money down the drain. And I piss money down the drain, not on coke, but like, I'm not being critical of that, but it's just, fuck it, piles up very quick. But if you're at the Queensland Cowboys, you're on an origin star, an international wage, you can probably afford to do it on Mad Monday. And yeah, he didn't, it was just a stupid photo. We haven't had any woman coming out with some fucking ridiculous text. We haven't had any members of the public coming out and saying like, this bloke was acting like a fuckwit. And it's just, it's just very rugby league to post it 
is that's when it's like, you know, it's not the action of what you did where if you get punished, like I'm not going to be like, you deserve to get punished. It's the sheer fucking stupidity. I haven't fully researched it. It looked like it was up on his Instagram story. What kind of fucking prank is this? Are you pranking yourself? Monday madness. I just... It bends my mind to think you would post that. I wouldn't even post that on my story. And if I did, I don't think people would really give a fuck. No one's screenshotting it. No one's sending that to the Daily Telegraph. You've got to have some common sense. And when you're on the vodka cruises and you're on the bags, common sense really does go out the window. But there's losing your inhibitions having a bit of fun, letting your guard down, and then there's fucking posting yourself with a bag in your mouth on Instagram. And I just, I don't know, if I ever see people do stuff like that, most of the time it's like, whoa, look how cool this person is posting drugs on the story. They must be having such a great night. What a fucking legend. That's so cool. Like, what's the, what's the aim? He said it was a prank, but, like, did he want people to flame react it? Like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, the, the, like, just, I don't know, the pros and cons. Like, the good things that could come, the things you could gain from doing that if you're Valentine Holmes, and the things that you could lose. And then history. This is not the first time a rugby league player has found themselves in trouble. Make no mistake about it, these guys get educated more fucking heavily than I would about all this shit, about going out, don't post this on your phone, these are the repercussions, like I don't have sponsors, I don't have to hear any of this shit. These guys get drilled into them from the junior grades if they're part of an NRL system. Like, don't do this. Don't do this. And the main thing, like, ultimately, you don't want these guys to do it. But there are always going to be some that will. But rule number one, keep it to yourself. And we've seen instances where members of the public, like someone else, comes into contact with them, and that's how it comes out especially nowadays, like any player goes out and they're fucked, people are going to have their phones in their faces. That's just the world we live in. Valentine Holmes has outed himself. <laughs> and it looked like there was, didn't look like he'd done much of the bag. I, I don't know. And it, like, yeah, we didn't see him do any of it. We don't even know what was in there. So for all we know, one, maybe it was some fucking fringies coke, and he just wanted a photo with it. Maybe he did none of it. Maybe he did all of it. We don't know. But the only person you can point the finger at and say you fucked up is Valentine Holmes. And yeah, goodness gracious. Imagine coming off Mad Monday, and then, yeah. Anyway. That in itself was a performance highlight, Monday Madness, stupidity of the week. Everyone makes mistakes, I've made plenty, 
Uh, congrats to you if you've made no mistakes. That's quite impressive. But on the scale of mistakes, even if we want to narrow it down, on the scale of mistakes made in rugby league, this is a very low-end one in terms of it doesn't look like anyone got hurt except the Cowboys and Valentine Holmes. But yeah, on the scale of what we've seen, we've seen New York rampages, we've seen assaults, we've seen some pretty disgusting things go down. And I wouldn't label this as disgusting. I would label it as disgustingly fucking silly. Goodness gracious. Yeah, just, I don't know. I'm like, how do you, how do you reach that conclusion? And I wonder if Todd Payton follows him or if like any Cowboys officials follow him. There'd definitely be a lot of kids that follow him that would lead to like, what's that? And then parents are like, ah, oh, fucking, I'm outraged. I'm going to write a letter of complaint instead of explain what that is. Anyway, it's gone on a whole tangent. Not even competing in finals. Valentine Holmes. Uh, but that gets the Dally M for stupidity of the year. Finals performer. Uh, this one, not in the NRL. This one at cup level. Now, preliminary finals over the weekend in the Queensland Cup and New South Wales Cup. And congrats to the teams that qualified for their respective grand finals. In the Queensland Cup, Burley Bears, uh, who really look like they're going to go all the way this year. And the Brisbane Tigers, affiliated with the Melbourne Storm. In the New South Wales Cup, my boys, my fringe boys. I love this, because Warriors, we haven't had a New South Wales Cup team uh, throughout COVID. So the boys are back. We're in the fucking grand final. As are the Rabbitohs, who have a pretty bloody handy team. They're coming off a win against the North Sydney Bears, who for the best part of this year, uh, they were the team looking like they were going to win the Premiership. But finals performer at cup level, my man, Ronald Volkman. Uh, I had a bit of fun here because they were playing the Raiders. And I'm just the kind of dribbler that loves, you know, New South Wales Cup and shit. So when I saw that Warriors were sizable underdogs, $2.45, I was like, I'm jumping on that. I genuinely think we're going to beat this Raiders team. And they flogged them. They absolutely fogged them. So shout out to the Warriors New South Wales Cup boys. I'm still keeping an eye on you guys. I know NRL, we're in the finals. I got love for the Cup boys as well. The Fantastic Four. The four games are from finals week one. Sadly, last time we'll get four NRL games this year, just quietly. Friday night, Broncos 26, Melbourne Storm nil. First point I want to make, three different games across the weekend where it was Master versus Apprentice. Master 2, Apprentice 1. Trent Robinson got over Craig Fitzgibbon. Ivan Cleary over Andrew Webster. Kevin Walters, the Apprentice. You're fired. No, sorry. Uh, over Melbourne Storm. The master, Craig Bellamy. And just the way it went down, everything about that performance. 26-0. Melbourne, from the get-go, just 
the gap was there for all of us to see. A gap, I mean, when you look at the Penrith Storm games, the gap was definitely there from first to third. But from second to third, 26-0 screams big gap. Pappenhausen goes down injured as well. Thankfully, it looks like he'll be fit for the start of next year, which is the most positive thing. Because he's not going to go the rest of his career with, without getting injured. And like the timing of it was so rough. Because it was like, if this is bad, physically, like it would, it would take quite a bit to come back from. But it's that mental side of actually having to, to do it once from such a big one to just get back. Like the mental side is fucked coming from someone who's had zero surgeries. I know these things very well. Uh, but yeah, just pretty heavy to see Pappenhausen go down injured. But good news, he'll be back at the start of next year. And even if he's back just in the early rounds, I'll take it. Uh, 26 nil. there's not much you can say other than just the Broncos fired on all cylinders. Painhas did what he does. Carrigan played his role. Adam Reynolds with the ultimate masterclass. Reese Walsh. Uh, the backline was on fire. The Fords. Everything about it. Like, you could not fault that performance. 26-0. They now parlay that into a preliminary home final at Suncorp Stadium next weekend. Whilst Melbourne Storm, they're going to have to pick themselves back up. Because they will be hosting the Sydney Roosters. Uh, so Broncos, like I said, is it a two-horse race? It couldn't really get more impressive than that. Penrith Panthers, though, on par. 32-6 against the Warriors. Uh, as a Warriors fan, there was no excuses as far as the Sean Johnson thing. These things happened. Penrith were without Jerome Luai. And... Like I said, going into this one as a Warriors fan, no matter what happens, I could not be more proud of the boys. And we are not done yet. We've earned the double chance. We've got a home final in Auckland next. Uh, but this was a real good game to see where are we actually at uh, as far as the overall premiership race. And I think this game told us. And it doesn't mean we have to be you know, critical and be like, ah, oh, fuck's sake, Warriors, you got pumped. From where we were last year to where we are now, that we get to finals week one, and we are in a position where we're playing the Penrith Panthers because we're a top four team, that's a phenomenal effort. And just quick side note, I went, my AFL team's the Melbourne Demons. I went to the Demons Collingwood game, like 92,000 people uh, the other night. We lost. But there was one guy behind me, all game, just talking about our players. And he was a Melbourne supporter. And like, you're a fucking spud. Or like, get this guy out of the fucking team. I'm thinking, I'm like, dude, half these guys, a couple of years ago, broke our drought. They won us a premiership. We were one of the shittest teams for some time there. We were like the Tigers of the uh, AFL, but shitter. Like, way worse results. It was like the getting pumped by the Cowboys, but almost every week. And we won a premiership a couple of years ago. We're a fucking top four team taking on Collingwood, who, if you haven't been watching AFL, they have been the best team 
all year, and the guy behind me, all game. This guy's a fucking idiot. Worse language than that. Fucking, and just, I was like, why are you being such a fucking hater? That guy's like, this is not ideal, the performance that is happening in front of us. But it's like, you're not even a supporter. And I was like, and he was with his missus and his kids. And I was like, man, this is pretty nonsense. I would imagine at home, like, your kids and missus having to be around this chat. Like, chill the fuck out, man. You know? You're at the game. You've come for the game. It was super wet. They weren't playing that badly. So, I'm a supporter. Who I'm all about rain, hail, or shine. You get behind the team. That's what supporters are there for. If you're just going to turn up when it's good, whatever, more fucking power to you. But the real ones stick through it, as Warriors fans have done. So we're not going to be deterred by a 32 to 6 point loss. Uh, now, are we going to go and win the Premiership this year? Well, this game against the Panthers would say no. This would say we could make a prelim, uh, but compared to the Broncos and Penrith, right now, we're not at that level. And that is totally fine. We're not going to lash out. Now, Penrith, I saw there was a little bit of outrage. I don't know. It's like I see stories, but I'm like, I don't know if I actually saw the outrage. Jerome Luai on Instagram, up the pars when Panthers beat the Warriors. Now, Panthers' social media team, they use the same phrase, up the pars. I saw a couple of people come out and criticize that. Now, as a Warriors fan, just my personal opinion, other people may feel differently. I don't give a shit. It didn't upset me. I don't think it was disrespectful at all. You took a saying that all Warriors fans have been saying all year. You changed one letter to say, well, actually, up our team. And as far as the game, they flogged us. Like, Nathan Cleary just tore us apart uh, through the entire game. Guys like Sunia Taruva gave us all sorts of trouble. Up the pars, like, seriously, is that disrespectful? And then there's people who are like, oh, Panthers, they're so fucking arrogant. It's like, uh, I don't know. Their social media team, I follow Panthers on Instagram. Their social media team have put some good stuff out this year. They've put some fun stuff out this year. They've been quite playful. Up the pars, play on, for sure. And then the fact Jerome Luai posted it, the fact that it was Jerome is just naturally going to piss people off. Here's a star player sitting on the sideline showing support for his teammates. Now, if he came out and said, lol, what a bunch of fucking potatoes, warriors, are dead shits, then like, okay, that's kind of disrespectful. Up the pars, play on. And yeah, biggest point out of this game, Nathan Cleary. I just stole the show, which is what he always does. Isaiah Yo, massive as well. Then we move on to the do or die matches. Sharks, 12. Roosters, 13. Sam Walker field goal, the difference. I've already spoken about uh, a few of the adversities that the Roosters face throughout this game. Also considering as well that Jared Waria Hargraves, with no part to play in this final series, 
they still get it done. Even Siwa Wong, uh, who shout out to him, he was epic in this game. And Angus Crichton, word is, off to Rugby Union next year. They were in the centres. My biggest takeaway from this game is, yeah, at least for this season, I think that just tells us where the Sharks were at. That, yeah, I saw a few signs in different games uh, that when regular season games had an intensity that kind of was similar to what finals can present, the Sharks went really poorly. Like, they would often give up a lead and struggle to get it back. In this game, they had every opportunity. And we found out, Roosters, I think this one just came down to who was made of the right stuff. And into next year, either of them could go all the way. Uh, But in this matchup, Sharks were not made of the right stuff. They just weren't. They had enough opportunity to win. Roosters were. They dug their heels in. They never gave up. And they come away with a result that now sets them up against Melbourne. With that loss as well, Cronulla Sharks eliminated. And I think what makes this uh, rest of the final series really exciting uh, is that probably the two biggest pretenders are out. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. With the Sharks, it's a numbers game. And no team that's conceded 50 points has ever gone on to win the Premiership. Uh, It would have been huge if they could have defied that. But going into finals, we kind of thought, okay... They've conceded 50 points. They're not in a form that's probably going to take them all the way unless they're perfect because they have no margin for error. But they're gone. Canberrade is gone as well. And they were the other team. They were the biggest pretenders. If you know me, if you've listened to the pod, you know why Raiders are genuinely my second team. I love them. Support them in every game except the Warriors. So if they had beaten the Knights... I was cheering for them then, but I wouldn't have cheered for them against the Warriors. Love the Raiders. I mean, another good example, Croker's 300th. They played the Warriors. And I was like, damn, Jared Croker, one of my favorite players. But Warriors all day, like over everything when it comes down to it. Even AFL, even All Blacks, like all my shit, all my shit, Warriors are number one. Uh, But Raiders are up there. My dad's from Canberra, so if you're wondering why... I've grown up watching Raiders games as well, always followed the team. They've had a lot of shit luck where they've had these killer players who've either done something stupid, see Valentine Holmes, uh, or they've just fucked off because they don't want to be in Canberra. Seen a lot of it and just been like, damn, I want what's good for the Raiders. Uh, But yeah, Knights, I'll talk about them in a second. Raiders, amazing effort here. 30-28. Uh, goes, I believe it went to Golden Point. Let me double check that. Uh, yes, it did. Went deep into Golden Point. That's right. As a Warriors fan, I was like, this is uh, exactly what I want to see. Knights make it 10 straight. I will talk about them in a sec. Because, yeah, once they started this run, they immediately grabbed my attention. And I've been a massive fan. And I've been punting on them. Most weeks, I've had a very vested interest in the Knights, and I've been loving it all the way through until finals week two when they play the Warriors, and now I'm like, all right, it's time for this run to end. But, yeah, get to the Knights in a second. My biggest thing with the Raiders was Ricky Stewart, and I don't want to say 
it was like delusional, but in the press conference, I don't know if it's like press conferences, sometimes all that noise and what they say isn't what they feel. And there's like agendas behind it. Like maybe he's saying things uh, to boost morale within his team and to keep their heads high and to get them amped up after what they can do next year. And I don't have his exact words in front of me, but he was saying things like, oh, we, you know, we were nearly a top four team. And I'm just like, but you weren't one. You came in with the worst for and against two. And it was just kind of, I don't know. He was just pushing back a lot on like, you guys said we couldn't do it, you know? And he was just really talking the boys up, which there is nothing wrong with. But I'm like, the way I see it, you guys limped into finals. You were lucky to even be there. Yeah, you could have been a top 14. You were right in the race. And then, you know, everything that's happened then or since then has been a mess. You've seen Jack Whiten move into the centres very late. Matt Frawley move into the halves. Uh, there have been a few movements. Papali'i out for the season. And yes, this game was very admirable. And it was a great effort from the Raiders to nearly snatch victory away from home. But when I heard Ricky's comments, I just remember thinking at the time, like, this is off the mark. This is off the mark. They were easily the worst team going into finals. And I say that with love. I love this team. But they were easily the worst team going into finals. Didn't mean they were going to lose. But I thought the pushback on, like, nobody thought we could do it. It's like, yeah, because you guys look fucking shit for like, I don't know. They came into the season and they were one of the worst teams early on. Croker comes back against the Broncos. That changes everything. They're racking up the wins. They're in contention to, for top four. Then they kind of lose their bundle again toward the back end of the season. They make changes. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't think it's ludicrous. Four people to have been like, yeah, Raiders are no chance. And yeah, they showed up. They put in one hell of a performance. It's like, ultimately, the naysayers were correct. You lost. Now, the people said they had no chance. They showed in this game they had a chance. But is that a success? Is that overall a win? In Ricky's mind, yes. And there are plenty of reasons going forward as to why it's been a valuable season but it's like okay you proved that you could beat this side but you didn't you finished eighth you could have finished in top four uh, but you didn't people said you never had a chance well fuck them you showed them you had a chance but you didn't win so yeah but i love ricky i do love ricky he's a good man never met him but yeah, from all reports and like the work he has in the community and with disability and everything like that, he's a good man. You can't judge him uh, off the football side. I just, I felt like the comments were off the mark. I don't know. Maybe Paul Kent feels differently. Haven't heard from him for a while. Apparently he's doing some kind of funeral driving. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but let me get on to the night. So Raiders are gone skis. People said they never had a chance. They proved they had a little bit of a chance. Congratulations to them. Uh, and quickly, on a note of the players, 
who've been putting in the work all season. Unfortunate result. None of my criticism is really on the players. Like I said, when I'm a supporter and they're my second team in the NRL, and when I'm a supporter, it's like ride or die, through rain, hail or shine. So I'm not going to come out and be like, ah, oh, fucking this play, like change this posi- uh, position or anything like that. I thought it was an amazing almighty effort from the squad. Uh, and a lot of these guys are young. A lot of these guys are young. Uh, so I still think there's a glimmer of hope uh, for a very bright future. Jordan Rapiner, I was their best. Uh, but I want to finish off for the Raiders season. Uh, two farewells. Two of my favorite players as well for the Raiders. Jack Whiten off to the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Good luck to him. I think they kind of need him right now. And we might, you know, the Jack Whiten that we love to watch, I don't really know if he was there that uh, this year. I think he'll be there next year at South Sydney. And it could be a case, like, sometimes just off-field, like, life gets in the way of form and football. Perfect example, Sean Johnson last year, worst form of his career, he was away from his wife and kid. So, of course, there's some off-field life stuff that has nothing to do with footy, uh, but it affects form. Who knows? Like, maybe in Canberra and he just wants a change. It may not be something major. But Jack Whiten not playing his best football. Maybe he's going to touch down at South Sydney and really hit the ground running and just be in his element. Or he'll get there, and if some of the rumours are true, he'll be like... This is a fucking shit show. Oh my goodness, Ricky. I heard NRL uh, introducing some kind of backflip clause, which sounds like it's not going to get messy at all. Uh, but Jack White, and he might get there and be like, oh fuck, is it too late to call Ricky? But at the very least, he'll be like, hey, Sydney's less cold uh, than Canberra. And there was a talk of like premierships and things like that. But he also came out and just said, He's just ready for a change. And as someone who's had change in my own life at times, uh, on most occasions, it is, it is amazing. So there's nothing wrong with change. Uh, but Jack Whiten, his last game for the Raiders, Jared Croker didn't play here. The fact that he even got back to play this year uh, was remarkable. And he's an absolute legend. It's weird now, too. I'm finally getting to that age where I'm seeing guys retire that I watched their whole careers, you know, and I feel like it's kind of recent that Jared Croker burst on the scene. He came in really young, and I just remember being like, I like the headgear. He was good. He was very good too. And this was a time where Raiders, I don't don't want to say they didn't have good players, but they needed all the good players they could get. Now, Croker, he wasn't the star center when he came in. We had Joel Monaghan. He was unbelievable, a representative center. He, no stranger to Monday Madness himself. Maybe he can give Vel Holmes a call. Some some fucking shenanigans with a teammate's dog. Joel Monaghan out the door. All of a sudden, through no fault of his own, Jared Croker, this young center. It's like, well, now you're our fucking, you're our best option took that opportunity, ran with it. He was like, you know what, guys? I can even kick goals. Jared Croker, shout out to him. Have loved watching him. 
Uh, but let me talk quickly about the Newcastle Knights. Won't be the last time I do it either, because I'll be talking about them in the Week 2 Finals Preview. Now, they're taking on my side, the Warriors. Love the Warriors. Of course I'm going to talk about them in depth. Uh, but I'm also I'm going to talk plenty about the Newcastle Knights. It would be rude not to. They've won 10 straight games. I mention it every single week. They pushed Penrith to the limit. They pushed the Brisbane Broncos to the limit. Now, over the last few weeks, as we've seen this massive gap between Brisbane, Penrith, and these other sides, my mind just flashes back. Newcastle, Penrith, earlier this year. Tyson Gamble in the number six jersey. Kalen Ponga on the sideline. There are concussion issues. Could Kalen be one of those players whose career come, uh, cuts short or is cut short? Can't speak fucking English, right? Uh, but career is cut short by concussion. Something we're seeing a lot more of in this modern day. Where things were at at that stage, like Newcastle, no one's even thinking about finals. We're more thinking, if they get a few losses, Adam O'Brien's going to get sacked. That was the kind of vibe with the media and just going into the season. But everything goes right. They go in the Panthers game. They push them to the limit. The only thing that saved that game, I'm pretty sure it was a two-point field goal from beyond the 40 meters from Nathan Cleary, just to get Penrith to Golden Point against Newcastle. So it wasn't the other way around. Newcastle didn't pull some rabbit out of the hat in the dying minutes to take it to Golden Point. It was on Penrith. They were the ones who were forced to claw their way into the game. Then Nathan Cleary, Nathan Cleary, uh, Nathan Reynolds, merging more guys here. But then he kicks a field goal. It's definitely not outrageous. And in, there's no shame in only Nathan Cleary coming up super clutch, costing you that game. But where Knights were at in that point of their season, it was still really costly because they weren't getting wins every single week like they have been. So it was like, fuck, you guys almost beat the Panthers, but you didn't. And for a lot of their season, uh, once we got to September, my general vibe was that, damn, these close losses where you took the top teams, you know, right to the edge, which nobody else has been doing, but you didn't get the win. And then you've lost a few other games here and there. And you're going to look back on those and think, damn. And it's like, how critical can you be to be like, damn, we really should have won those Panthers and Broncos games. But then when you look at Panthers and Broncos right now, you definitely can't be too self-critical because they are the benchmark. They are the best teams. So you've got to take a lot of positives from that. So when we look at the gap between our top two and you look at Storm, you look at Warriors, the top four sides taking part in the action this weekend, we have seen actions louder than words that there is a gap in terms of football being played by the top two and then teams three and four. Newcastle, they went to the limit with Penrith. They did the same against the Broncos. It took Broncos up until the very final minutes to get over the line against the Knights. 
And again, at that point in the season, it was like, shit, Newcastle. Wow. Like, if you had won those two games, I was thinking, you could actually be playing finals, which still, at that stage, seemed like such a long shot. But it was like, wow, if you could have won those, it would have been huge for belief. And the results, it, they were just falling short. Then comes the first game they played against the Bulldogs. Going into the preview for that, I used one word. Frustration. And it wasn't just the games against the top teams, but one thing I noticed with the Knights, who I picked to run last, by the way, this year. What a dumbass. But the one thing I noticed very early on, I was just like, wow, these guys are having a crack. They're playing well above their weight. They're coming out. And I could never fault their effort. It was more a case of the results weren't quite there. And a lot of my reasoning for them coming last, in my mind, was just the pressure on Adam O'Brien. There was very little room for error. So we go into that game against the Bulldogs. Before it takes place, my one word with the Knights was frustration. And I essentially said, here against the Bulldogs, who are in a similar kind of boat, for Newcastle it could go two ways. The frustration could be released. I definitely didn't say they're going to put 66-0 on the Bulldogs. That's not where I'm going with this. But I was like, the frustration, it can either spill over and get really ugly and they're going to lose to the Bulldogs and all of a sudden there goes season 2023. Or I was like, they're just going to reach their breaking point. It's like those weird fucking neck beard like memes those weird fucking dudes who post memes with like the joker and talk about like being the nice guy and like you can only bend a twig so far before it snaps and i think that's where the knights are at it was like you could only bend this twig so far before it snaps two types of snapping though where it just totally fucks your season or you do what newcastle actually did they come out the frustration gets released they take out all the frustration, every bit of the year that has pissed them off. They went out there and they took it out on the Bulldogs. 66-0, Phoenix Crossland, all of a sudden I'm fucking like, is he Kiwi? Is he from New South Wales? What rep jersey are we putting Phoenix Crossland in? But it's still like, okay, 66-0 against the Bulldogs. Let's not get too carried away and then everything that's followed since they outclassed the Raiders totally not just in this game this game was a lot tighter but when they met in the regular season on this late surge against the Melbourne Storm that was another one I tipped Melbourne and I watched that game and I was like firstly Melbourne looked flat I was feeling very critical toward Melbourne but I was like, Newcastle are forcing this. This is the Knights doing. And with each passing week, they collect wins against the top sides. Storm a top four outfit. They've beaten the Warriors this year. Uh, they've beaten the Sharks. If there is one team that could potentially unsettle this rhythm of the way we're heading, grand final between Penrith and the Broncos, Newcastle Knights. And I think the biggest test, travel to New Zealand, beat the Warriors, win your 11th straight game. 
if you go and beat the Warriors in New Zealand with all the momentum behind New Zealand, the crowd, everything that's going into that game, you beat the Warriors, you go towards Suncorp, 11 straight victories, with it fresh in your mind as well, that Brisbane had to scratch and claw, and maybe they even just got lucky. I don't know if they got lucky because we've seen how good Brisbane are. But such was the performance of the Knights where they took the Broncos all the way. That was at a point where they weren't in hot form. 11 straight wins. And if they beat the Warriors in New Zealand, holy shit. I tell you what. So if there's one team from outside our top two, that can at least make it to the grand final. Newcastle. Now I know why their fans are so fucking excited. I know I am. They played a prelim quite a while ago now under Wayne Bennett. That was so, so different. They kind of just got their way in there. Even at that stage, once they got their way in, it was like, okay... Okay, but it was Wayne Bennett being the coach was like the only thing that was like, okay, they could be a premiership winner here, but there was still an outside chance. This season, their form, their winning run, there's something to be said for being on a winning run that is now extended to double digits. So you better believe on the week two finals preview podcast that I will be talking in depth about the Newcastle Knights and, of course, the Warriors, because they're my fucking boys. And now it's time for me to park the Knights love, because I've been loving it. Da-da-da-da-da. That's not an ad. Fuck you, McDonald's. Uh, for getting your corporate jingles in my head. But, yeah, now, now I'm putting that love aside. I want... Warriors to end the run. And we're going to have Melbourne Storm against Roosters. Now, Melbourne, the last two games, Xavier Coates has scored a hat-trick against them. He's not here, though. And there are a couple of changes across the board. Some forced, some made. And that's really what we look ahead to now. Now there's six. Raiders gone. Although, if you ask Ricky Stewart, they Almost a top four team, so congratulations to them. Uh, Cronulla Sharks. We'll just have to see. We'll just have to see. It's going to take a bit of time. They're definitely not where they should have been this year. They did fall uh, short of the mark, but they made finals. They can now rebound, learn their lessons. Hopefully for their fans, come back stronger. But now we got the six. Penrith, the team to beat. Broncos out of the Hunters. They are top of the Pops. Then you've got my Warriors. Never seen a Warriors Premiership win in my lifetime. After this past weekend, the lid has come on a little bit more. The lid was off, and I was like, okay. Okay, after I saw Nathan Cleary just dominate us, I was like, I'll just put the lid on a little bit. Just... Yeah, about this year. Overall, the lid is, has flown off. Uh, fucking the lid's gone, and it's never coming back. But for the 2023 Premiership, lid's come on a little bit more. you got those two teams 
leading the chase, but we've never won. So I'm still all in. You know what? I'm actually taking the lid off and we are going to win the premiership. And it was 100% because there was no Sean Johnson. And Panthers got lucky. 32 of the luckiest points I've ever seen. And Warriors unlucky not to score more than six. And it was because Sean Johnson. Yep. Um, so yeah, we are going to win the premiership and it's going to be awesome. And the lid is back off. It's back off. Uh, then you got the Melbourne Storm. No chance. Nah, they are still definitely a chance. I'm thinking about going. I live in Melbourne, so I'm thinking about going to the Roosters game and seeing stars like Paul Momorowski, Jackson Parlow, Remus Smith, who are all back in action. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You got Melbourne Storm, you got the Roosters, and you got the Knights. And whatever does happen... It's going to be a hell of a time watching it all play out. And I just got to think as well, as a Warriors fan, in perspective to the last 10 years plus, where finals is just, I'm not even relevant to finals. It's like I'm watching, but it's like I'm not truly supporting anyone. Raiders 2019 grand final run. That was a very special moment. But like I said, Warriors are my number one. And I was like, this is awesome to see the Raiders in a grand final. But fucking I want to see the Warriors so I'm whatever happens like I think as a Warriors fan my goal play finals well for the team to play finals like you just want value out of your team year to year premierships are so hard to win of course we've never won one uh, but you hear all the time about how elusive they are so of course the top clubs do expect it but most clubs you're not going in expecting to win the premiership the best result is to be in the mix, be competing, and give yourself a chance. And at least give yourself some time to get really hyped up during September. So I'm loving it. We'll see how far the Warriors can go. Is it a two-horse race? Are the Knights? Are the Knights going to come from the clouds? Or could it be Storm or Roosters? One of them are going to be knocked out after finals week two. And that's what we're going to set our focus on now. This has been the Weekend Rap Podcast. It's out a little bit late, so let's call it now. I'm going to sit down and record the finals week two preview. I'll put that out tomorrow, Thursday. And yeah, lastly, don't forget, at Not Just a Sports Report on Instagram, if you want to vote for each category for the end of year podcast. Other than that, we'll just have a fantastic bloody week. That's all there is. Hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. If you hated it, I'm sorry. And yeah, just don't do anything silly. Uh, look at Valentine Holmes and take that as a lesson. Think about what you're posting on social media. Anyway, I need to post this on social media so people know that the podcast is out. Ciao.